The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the latest Windy City Gridiron Radio. With you, as always, is your host, Robert Zaglinski, managing editor of Windy City Gridiron. And today we're going to talk every aspect of of the Bears' 2018 season, preview it. Uh, it's a game week, finally, everybody. Where the regular season is here. The Bears visit the Packers on Sunday Night Football this Sunday. To help me preview this Bears season, I've brought in Lauren Cox of the Lockdown Bears podcast and a pro football focus analyst. Make sure you follow that podcast on Twitter <clears throat> and subscribe to it as he does fantastic work on a daily basis with, with in-depth Bears analysis you can follow him on Twitter at Cox Sports One as well. Lauren, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. I'm happy to be on the podcast and previewing this Bears season. Let's jump right into it. The Khalil Mack edition, obviously the headline of the past few days. Uh, we're kind of past that initial aftershock and can start talking more fit, can start talking more big picture for the Bears. Uh, Lauren, how did you feel about the Mack edition before or, or how did you feel about the Bears, rather, before the Mac edition? And then how do you feel about them now? So this was a team with such a significant need at outside linebacker. Obviously, the Mac trade is, is huge for them. I think it's the kind of thing that can legitimately add a, a win or two to their regular season record. And I, I know it's never quite that simple, but, you know, I, I think before Mac. This was a, a around a 500 team, you know, certainly outside of Chicago, not a lot of optimism for this season, but you were, you were seeing a, a team with some upside and, and still kind of hovering around that range. And now you add Khalil Mack and this becomes a, a fringe playoff team. I think you're pushing a lot closer to the double digit wins. The problem is you're in the NFC, you're in the NFC North. I mean, maybe the strongest division in the strongest conference and it's, it's going to be really tough for this team to really crack through to the postseason. I think if the Bears play in the AFC North instead of the NFC North, it might be a different story, but it it's going to be tough to to reach that promised land just yet in year one under Matt Nagy, but Khalil Mack is a huge step towards contention for sure. Does Mack's overall talent and ability, obviously this is one of the more accomplished defensive players in football, his resume two-time first-team All-Pro, only player to ever be first-team All-Pro at two positions in one season, a defensive player of the year. Does that alone make this team's bar very high where it's going to be difficult for them to finish less than 500, to finish less than 8 and 8, for, for example? I think it really does in Chicago, 
And I, I question a little bit how much it does nationally, just because the Bears are a team that hasn't gotten a lot of respect or optimism from around the country and around the you know the national NFL writers and analysts and rightfully so, so. rightfully yeah. so and they haven't earned anything yet and it's it's certainly reasonable so you know everyone's been pretty well um praising them for the Khalil Mack trade and I, I'm curious to see how that does affect them nationally but I do think you know internally and locally this is a team that should be above 500 and, and when you invest that much of your future in adding a player right now you need to see a significant increase in wins. And I think you will, but I, I wonder, you know, how much their wins and losses will be tied to Mac and how much, you know, they might lose a game because Trubisky throws a fourth quarter interception like they did last year. And, and that doesn't end up really reflecting on the Khalil Mack trade, making a huge difference, but you'll still see that, you know, from game to game and from play to play the way he does influence this team. So, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure on a lot of people and, you know, whether that's, I mean, I think over 500 should be, the the expectation for Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, given how much they've invested into winning right now. Speaking of Pace, how much does this trade and 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 locking in? What I mean, this is his core. This is the team he's taken four off seasons to build. How much does this Mac addition and just overall put pressure on him um, as a general manager? I think this is the type of pressure that every general manager wants. You know, it's not the it's not the pressure to take the losing team and and make them good again. It's the pressure to like take a, a, a you know an average team and push them into contention and push them into Super Bowl contention. That this is this is a a talented roster, and now you know Ryan Pace has really gotten his fingerprints all over it, and it's his team, and he's finally reached that point where now it's the fruits of his labor that everyone's actually going to see. You know, some GMs don't even get far enough to building the team exactly how they want it. And, you know, that there's a pressure of just being able to build a team. And now that you've got a team, it's the pressure of your team having success. And it's really locked in right now to these guys because you don't have those first round picks. And because you have so many of these guys under contract for multiple years, not a lot of impending free agents, especially if they get a couple contract extensions done here. And, you know, you're not going to have a ton of room to add an impact player on either side of the ball at least for the next off season or two. So you're a little bit locked in with this core and it's the core that Ryan Pace has built and everyone will get to see how they, how they work from there and how well he was able to build this team, how well his talent evaluation has worked. And it's all going to come down to the head coach. He hired this off season, Matt Nagy. He, he's got to be the one that takes the talent to the G, that the GM has assembled and turn that into a championship contender. Before we get to Nagy, what do you think shifted for pace in the last year and a half or so um, in terms of some aggressive philosophy? You can Maybe it's difficult to pinpoint where it started. Um, most will probably point to that Trubisky trade is trading up as, his, as the first move that he was really putting his final the final uh, pieces of his plan into place. But what do you think shifted for him overall in building his roster? So to some extent, I think we've always seen pace be – aggressive at times you know free agency year one the rookie gm the young the young gm comes in and, and signs pronomic fee on day one and then isn't afraid to throw some cash out there you know with with john fox but i agree we have seen him get more aggressive maybe more comfortable more confident at this gm position and i wonder you know how much of it had to do with maybe john fox being that experienced head coach 
I feel like I remember, you know, McCaskey and Phillips saying something about, you know, wanting to pair a young GM with an experienced head coach to kind of, you know, allow that, that relationship to mutually benefit both of them. And I, I, I wonder if speculatively, if Fox was limiting uh, Pace's freedom a little bit to feel comfortable being aggressive and, and you know, wanting to do what uh, maybe a more conservative head coach wanted and being on the same page there. But now that Fox is gone, you know, you hire Matt Nagy. And I think as the writing was on the wall for Fox and Pace wanted to go get his quarterback anyway, you started to see a little bit of a turn there, you know, a few years at the chair. He, he understands how to be a GM now. He's done this before. He's done a couple off seasons and he kind of can, feel a little bit more confident in his chair to, to be more aggressive, go get the quarterback. It's an easy sell to, I think, to a head coach and to a, an ownership and a, and a team president to say, we need to get our quarterback. So from there, you know, once he makes that move, then it's sort of the first domino and he can continue to be aggressive and continue to, to, I guess, get the support of management as he invests big on big players. And now, now they need to see some results. Speaking of Nagy, uh, I think he's kind of been a little bit lost in the shuffle um, in the last few days, considering that Mac's been a defensive focus and everybody's been focused on how great he is. Um, but obviously, Nagy was the initial first diamond of this offseason for Pace, as in the guy that is supposed to make Mitch Trubisky good, is supposed to take this offense to the next level, is supposed to make uh, everyone forget about the run-run-pass woes of 2017 and actually make this a diverse offense. What should we be expecting from Nagy in his first season as, as a rookie head coach? So there's so many moving parts with this Bears offense, with new wide receivers and a new tight end and you know the offensive line still coming together. I, I'm, I'm curious as to how quickly you know it looks like a well-oiled machine and and – what exactly the full extent of that well-oiled machine is because, you know, Nagy has to be careful not to put too much on these guys. But I still think even if Matt Nagy were an average offensive coach, it might be night and day from last season. So we're going to see significant offensive improvement. You know, that's not going to be 4,000 yards and 30 touchdowns from Mitchell Trubisky necessarily, but it's going to be efficient football, uh, unpredictable football with a lot of misdirection and movement and really isolating matchups the way we failed to see last year and putting guys in better position to be successful. And the question becomes, are these guys ready to be successful? Is Mitchell Trubisky, you know, far enough along in his career to, to lead this team to double digit wins is Trey Burton fully ready for a full, you know, top tight end role is Taylor Gabriel ready to be a number two wide receiver slash rotational with Anthony Miller, you know, is the rookie ready for a big time role. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of these, a lot of players that you're, you're hoping are ready for this next step. And, and this coach is supposed to put them in the position to do so. And if those players take those next steps, you're going to see a high flying, high powered offense here. And, you know, I think that potential at the very least will make every bears game a lot more fun. Even if that fun doesn't translate into a win every time, I think you're going to see some mistakes here and there from a, a new team, but it should still be the most entertaining season of Bears football, at least since Mark Tressman. You you mentioned all of those questions that Nagy has to, or rather all of those players and, and their questions that Matt Nagy has to unlock out of them, has to bring the best out of guys that haven't really played in these roles before. But you, you didn't mention any defensive players, which is 
I think uh, uh, an interesting dynamic the Bears have here where Vic Fangio is going to be the guy that's more hands-on with his defensive players. There's a little bit more of a divide where Nagy's going to let Fangio do more of his job and Nagy will focus offensively. But Nagy is still the head coach. In what capacity is, should he still be involved with these defensive players? How important is that? And how do you think? And how do you think we'll see him do that over the course of the regular season? I, you know, I hate to draw another parallel to the Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. But I, uh, I, I thought th- you were going to say something else. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Mark Trestman, were you going to guess? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, every, everyone compares the Bears to the Rams, and I'm I'm not ready to quite put them that far yet. But you know, with the Wade Phillips coaching the Rams defense, you know, it's still, you know, Sean McVay sets the tone for that team. And it's, it's a young team, despite having an old head, an old defensive coordinator, who's very good at his job. You know, I I think the bears can be a similar dynamic where the players still respond to Matt Nagy's energy. And, you know, obviously a lot of respect for the way he leads the team. And generally speaking, he has a good control over the locker room and, and just kind of bringing everyone together. But when it comes to, you know, meetings and practice, I mean, it's it's Vic Fangio's defense. And we saw last year and over the last three years, the players are responding well to him and playing really well for him. And and so I, I don't think there's any concern there with how that dynamic's going to play out as long as Matt Nagy's energy and his leadership continues to read well on the team, that it doesn't become a it doesn't become a Mark Trestman thing, I guess, to bring that full circle where the locker room starts to go. And and that maybe not that I'm overly concerned about it at this point, but when you have a, a rookie head coach, it's a real unknown, especially early on. And I think Matt Nagy has checked all the boxes and, and passed all the tests so far, but everyone's keeping their eye on what happens when this team really faces adversity, when they lose a game they shouldn't have lost, or maybe they lose to Green Bay, you know, does how well, does Matt Nagy handle those adverse situations? How well does that energy and that mentality continue to play out when everything's not going great? You know, it's easy to be optimistic and excited in the offseason when almost nothing can go wrong besides injuries. Let's I'm curious to see how everyone responds when things aren't going great. Talking to Lauren Cox of the Lockdown Bears podcast and as a pro football focus analyst, and he has bylines all over the place. He's one of the best football follows you can find football writers you can find younger guys follow them on twitter at cox sports one follow us on twitter at wc gridiron and follow me on twitter at robert zaglinski uh lauren let's talk the offense more nitty-gritty um we kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier but what are what are some major off bears offensive questions for you in the 2018 season what are are things you're going to be specifically watching out for so I think number one, it's the offensive line and it's how that combination is going to go together because, you know, I really feel like you can have all the weapons in the world, but if your quarterback doesn't have time to get the ball out to him and, you know, your running back doesn't have room to run in the backfield, it's, it doesn't do you a ton of good. I know there's, there's ways you can work around it, but it limits you entirely. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Charles Leno at left tackle. I think, you know, when healthy Kyle Long, solid, solid right guard and Cody Whitehair has been solid when he's been set at one position and healthy and especially his rookie year. So, you know, you're encouraged a lot there still trying to figure out this left guard position. And it's, it's, it's I can see where you'd have to be frustrated as if, you know, bears fans would have to be frustrated if, you know, with the way this team comes out and says, you know, we got to get our starting five offensive line together and, and lock it in after the draft, we're going to get these guys together and, and get it, get it figured out early. So this team can, can, you know, get, some cohesion up front Mm -hmm. and 
we're heading into week one and James Daniels might start at some point there. Kush is still starting and you're still going to see some moving parts on that interior. And that's never something that leaves you too confident in an offensive line. And then of course, Bobby Massey at right tackle as well. But you know, and like I said, at the skill positions, a lot of guys you're projecting Allen Robinson back from the ACL injury and only one true year of a thousand yard plus, even though it was spectacular, you, you know, you're still waiting to see exactly how great he can still be. Taylor Gabriel has never been this featured in an offense, even though he'll still be a third, fourth, fifth option when you, when it all comes down to it. Still your true number two receiver to start the year. Anthony Miller, the rookie, Trey Burton, never a, a, a full-time tight end like this. And, you know, you're, you're even curious to see how well Jordan Howard handles maybe more of an expanded role. And Mitchell Trubisky might be the, the big one in the middle that's saving the best for last. But a, a lot of moving parts, a lot of, a lot of young players stepping into bigger roles and it's up to this young head coach stepping into a bigger role to uh, hold it all together. Uh, just circling back a little bit. I'm curious as to your thoughts on the Daniel situation, because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident you agree with me to where he's the best. He's one of their best interior linemen that he's probably already better than Eric Cush. What do you think the Bears' thought process is, is there in not starting Daniels right away and having Cush be the guy that, that that goes that goes into Green Bay or that goes into Green Bay with them? So I I understand it from the sense that maybe it was a little bit self inflicted, which again I guess breaks the string of logic. But like James Daniels played so much center during the preseason, it wasn't until later on there. I think the last preseason game was his first live action at left guard. So the fact that he hadn't played left guard that much, you know, would would seem to suggest that, okay, then you play Eric Kusher left guard. But the whole reason he didn't play left guard is because the Bears chose not to. And I understand Peronis Grassu was hurt, so they wanted to play Daniels at center. But in the preseason, you know, I I would rather have signed some center off the street or, or, you know, use somebody else there and left James Daniels, one of the future building blocks of your offensive line, at the position that he was going to play. Like the idea was to lock Cody Whitehair at one spot and lock James Daniels at one spot and let the two of them get as good as they can at their position. And they did that with Cody Whitehair, which credit to them. That's a, a solid uh, a favor to Cody Whitehair mm-hmm. who hasn't had that luxury. Didn't do it with James Daniels. And it's got to be frustrating if you're James Daniels. I, I don't necessarily see the logic there because, you know, if, if your backup center is bad because Grasso is hurt, put someone else there and, and let James Daniels continue to get better at the position he's going to play instead of kind of asking him to do both. You, you, it felt like you're, you're limiting his ability to start right away that you're, you're limiting the, the speed of his development. If you're trying to make him learn two positions at a time, make Eric Cush your backup center for all, you know, just yeah. do something different. It didn't, it didn't quite add up there. Let's jump over to the defense, Lauren. And for as much as Khalil Mack is a special talent, I'm, I'm pretty confident that, that this defense still has some questions they have to answer for. Uh, what are those to you? Yeah, I guess Mac really took away the top question. And I mean, I guess you can still maybe question just the, the pass rushing depth, but you feel a lot better with it there. I mean, I think Roquan Smith lingers as a question of just how long until he's ready to go and what's going to happen to Nick Kwiatkowski. But in terms of like actual, you know, concerns, I, I guess cornerback depth is still a question. You know, I talk, we, we talked in my podcast that with, with Cravon LeBlanc gone, you don't have a backup slot cornerback right now. And so Bryce Callahan, as good as he is when he's on the field, he gets hurt, which he does 
every year and has not played more than 12 games in a season, I, I don't know who who's going to fill in there. I don't know exactly what the plan would be there. And, you know, then defensive line, you still have some, uh, I guess, a lack of consistent performers. You know, Bullard has never truly established himself as a, as a true, you know, best starting defensive end opposite Hicks where Robertson Harrison and him are still going to be in rotation there. There's always some, some weakness there and some inconsistency in, in that kind of situation. But almost the biggest question mark is just are Eddie Goldman and Adrian Amos going to get contract extensions and, and be yeah. here long-term or what's going to happen there? Who would you pick between those Lauren? Between those two? Uh, that's, that's tough because you don't really have a lot at either position to make you feel comfortable. And I, it's hard to, it's kind of hard to gauge the market for a guy like Adrian Amos. So, you know, I think Eddie Goldman is a, a pretty darn solid nose tackle and, and it's hard to find consistent players there that, you know, you can just rely on and he's been healthier as of late. So I, I would probably pick Eddie Goldman and, and let Adrian Amos play it out again. And, you know, it seems like they haven't been overly confident in Amos anyway. And maybe you like what Dion Bush has done. So you have some flexibility there, but, I'd probably go Goldman. Yeah, and at this point with what they've built defensively, I think they're going to more try to concentrate and have be, live with one weak link as opposed to um, just overall letting two guys walk. Or, 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 or They're going to be able to game plan. Around. I think that's what the Mac edition does. Um, <clears throat> all right. One bold offensive prediction, and it can be obviously positive or negative, uh, I will go first, Lauren, and then you go with yours. Um, <clears throat> Trey Burton will lead the Bears in receiving yards. I think the Adam Shaheen injury, uh, especially you know missing the first two months of the season on injured reserve, I think Burton should will have a big role in this offense. Um, he's going he's gonna to be fed a lot of targets, and, and I know a lot of people are hyped about Leon Robinson and Anthony Miller, but I, th- I really think he'll be the safety blanket for this Bears attack. Yeah, I think that's a great one, and something I, I should I was considering, but I'm I'm glad to, I'm glad you took one a, a good one like that. I mine I don't know I don't know how bold I can get with it, but you know I think Jordan Howard is going to be a pretty effective receiver this year. I think you're going to see him catch you know 30 plus passes and have 300 plus receiving yards, and I know. That's not that's not the wow factor, you know. That's not uh, that's a pretty high bar for him, though. Yeah, you know that's that it's bold in that sense, but it's not uh, it's not going to be a game changing receiving ability. But I think you're going to see a guy really improved in that area. That you know, when I go and look at his drop passes from last year, it's a lot of it's a lot of difficult balls. It's it's passes that hit him in the hands, but it's the ones that are behind him. It's low. It's high. It's around, and it's not on target. And I didn't see him drop a single really truly on target pass last year. And so I think, you know, he's going to be put into some more favorable passing situations. I think Matt Nagy has a lot of confidence in him as a receiver. And I think we're going to see a lot more Tariq Cohen outside of the backfield with Howard on the field, taking more of those running back receptions. And, you know, when it comes back to the check down, it's going to be Jordan Howard more often, maybe some more screens, some more you know different situations to get him the ball as a receiver. I think he's going to catch it. And I think he's better after the catch than we give him credit for because of how good he just is with the ball in his hands at making guys miss and, you know, creating extra yards after contact. So I think we're going to see a much improved Jordan Howard in the passing game. To the defense. And I, and I think I'll, I'll kind of copy off of, off of your um, low bar off of NFL in general, but for two players, 
for them it's 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 it's, it's high performance uh adrian amos and prince amukamara aren't necessarily known for interceptions um amukamara hasn't caught a pick since 2015 and and amos has caught has one interception in his three-year career to this point but i think with the mac addition and just having a sheer more volume of opportunities increased that we will see this is a for again both for them uh, you'll see five interceptions between Prince of Mukamara and Adrian Amos in 2018. Um, they're just going to be in the right place at the right time and actually catch the ball, like, especially with a Mukamara's case where he won't drop an interception if he, if he gets a chance to. That's, that's a really good one and a bold as well. And I'm, you know, defense, it's almost, it's harder to, to find a lot of a wiggle room there. Cause you know, unlike the offense, the defense, you kind of know, what everyone's going to give you. You don't have a lot of question marks individually, but you know, I guess I, I'm in my head, I'm going back and forth between a couple things, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll say that, uh, boy, you know, you don't want to, I don't want to go too light on a, on a prediction here. So Khalil Mack breaks the NFL sack record. Is that, is that what you're going to say? <laughs> no, you know, you know, it's like, I, I'm going to say, boy, I'm I'm a little bit lost for words here. Um, no worries, no worries. I, I'm gonna say. I, I know I blew you away. I blew you away. I know you. Did. Well, you took two players in one, which is tough. That's, <laughs> believe me, hanging here. Uh, you know, we've been we've been pretty optimistic about about this, and I I I could, I could come pessimistic and predict that Kyle Fuller takes a step back and just isn't isn't quite the same player. Okay. But I'm not. I th- I think I I think maybe his his 2017 season was a little bit overvalued in the sense that I, I think some people thought he was phenomenal. And in my opinion, he was very good and a lot better than he has been, but he wasn't lights out and there were a lot of up and down moments. And I think we're going to still see more of that from Kyle Fuller, that he's going to have a couple games where he gives up some big games to opposing receivers. And maybe you're a little bit frustrated and he's going to make turnovers and make some plays on the ball. But you know, with with he with how much off coverage he plays in Fangio's scheme, I know the pass rush is going to help and make everything better. But how about this? I, I wonder if the the separation between Prince of Mukamara and Kyle Fuller in terms of who the better cornerback is, I'm guessing that distinction will shrink a little bit, and we'll see those two cornerbacks on a similar level by the end of the year. I like it. See, you recovered well. That was good. I, I didn't take I didn't take Mukamara away from you. You still find a way to implement him. <laughs> I don't. I didn't have. There's not very anything, you know, quantifiable or tangible there to say. You know, players going to do X stat or X yeah. games. You know, it's just like he might not be as good, which isn't very easy to measure. Let's let's rapid fire through the Bears schedule, Lauren. One sentence answers as to why they win or lose through their 16 games. You and I, um, but we're going to save the Packers game Sunday night for last as our prediction. So September 17th, home opener against the Seahawks. Shoot. Uh, that's that's a tough one because as bad as Seattle was at times last year, I think they're a team that's going to bounce back. So I'm I'm going to give the Bears a win, but I, I think it'll be close and, and fought well to the end in prime time. I think uh, <clears throat> I just I, I don't trust that Seattle offensive line now, especially with Khalil Mack's addition. I know Russell Wilson is spectacular, but I think the Bears have enough of a pass rush to, even if Mr. Trubisky doesn't play well for whatever reason, they can squeak that game out. Kind of like you said, it won't be a blowout necessarily, but 
something like a very ugly 15 to 10 or 15 to 12 game. Uh, I agree with you. A Bears win um, <clears throat> at the Cardinals in week three, September 23rd. You know, I, I don't know who's going to be the starting quarterback by that game, but I'm I'm not particularly sure it matters. I, I don't think the Cardinals are all that stacked. I know they got, you know, I love David Johnson, but whether it's Sam Bradford or, or Josh Rosen, I think there's going to be some limitations there. And, you know, I'll take this revamped Bears defense over that, and I think the Bears can can put some points on him. So I'll go Chicago in that one. Same thing for me. I, 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 I see no reason to trust a rookie quarterback in Josh Rosen or Bradford. Um, just even staying healthy against this Bears defense, so another Bears win. Uh, home against the Buccaneers, I believe Jameis Winston's return right before the bye week. And Dirk Ketter, their head coach, hasn't confirmed or, or said for sure that he's going to start Jameis Winston his first game back. So it may be uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, but either way, uh, <laughs> I think this will be one of the worst teams in the NFL, and Dirk Ketter might not last the whole year as head coach. So I, th- I think the Bears may uh, may have three wins in a row here from me. That, that's that's an unheard of thought. I, I can't. I don't think the Bears have had third three wins in a row, ironically, since 2013. Oh, who was head coach then? Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> After the bye week at Miami against the Dolphins and Ryan Tannehill and <clears throat> and Dowell Loggins, of course, actually, actually a reunion. Yeah, so the Bears' defense will know run-run pass is coming, and <laughs> I also think Miami will be a little bit of a train wreck this year. That I, I'm not sure how well Adam Gase is going to last down there because it's I, I, that locker room is is still a work in progress on the cleanup standpoint. And I guess fourth win in a row for the Bears with a, a nice early start to the schedule. Four wins in a row for me as well. Wow, super super Bears Super Bowl. Am I right, Bears fans? <laughs> Uh, home against the Patriots afterwards, probably gonna, lo- looking like if things go well, might be one of the more uh, underrated, highly anticipated games of the 2018 season. Lauren. Yeah, yeah I think it's going to be a, a great matchup, one that I think a lot of people were a lot more scared about uh, a few days ago, really. But I I struggled to bet against Terrific Tom and Bill Belichick, even in Chicago. That's still one of the favorites for the Super Bowl, and I'm, I'm not ready to put the Bears up yet. So that'll, that'll be lost for me. I, I need Same for me. I need to see the Bears' defense, how it, how cohesive it is, how it plays with Khalil Mack, because theoretically they would have what you need to beat Tom Brady. It's a terrific pass rush, but uh, Brady has beaten that before too. That, that's such a well-coached team. That's the class of the NFL. That's a loss for me as, uh, as well. <clears throat> uh, probably going to go against Sam Darnold in the Jets. Uh, on Halloween weekend, October 28th. Yeah, I'm curious as to at what point we'll disagree about a game here, but I think the Jets are, are Great minds think alike. Great what? minds think alike, but go ahead. That's right. I, I think the Jets are sneakily a team that could give the Bears some trouble. And, you know, with a rookie quarterback and not necessarily a ton of names on that offense that scare you at receiver or tight end or running back or offensive line or any position. I still think they're a team that's going to be better than people think, but not necessarily good enough to beat the way this bears team looks. So that's a bears win. Okay. Yes. Same thing. Um, I don't, I, I also, I, I swear I'm not copying you. I also think the jets are going to be better than people think. I just, I can't trust Sam Darnold against what should be an experienced, cohesive Bears defense by that point, especially another Bears win. And that's five out of six games after the, after week one, uh, again, super Bears, super bowl. 
at, at Buffalo. And I'm going to also assume that this might be Josh Allen. So, Lauren, take it away. I think Nathan Peterman's going to do better than people think in Buffalo. Oh, no. but... okay. That's the boldest thing you've said on the podcast. That's, that's, that's bolder than our Bears prediction. <laughs> you know, I don't think he's going to be great, but and I, and I do think Josh Allen will get to start at some point because they just want him to. But I think Nathan Peterman can win them games despite what we saw last year. But uh, Bill is still, uh, I think, you know, maybe an underrated defense, but an offense that neither quarterback leaves you totally inspired and offensive line is still iffy uh, with Jordan Mills at right tackle and, you know, a lot to not like about the Bills. So I, I think they, they'll be okay, but not, not up to par for the Bears in this game. I think the Bills are probably are going to be in contention for the number one overall pick. I, I really think that's probably the worst team in football. I, I struggle to name many of their premier players. Um, and they just lack so much depth and talent in key areas. Uh, most teams are going to be able to beat them, so that's another win for the Bears for me as well. Um, home against the Lions and a team that's uh, really had the Bears numbers lately. I'm, I'm curious to see if you think that changes. You know, it feels like when the Bears and the Lions play at Soldier Field, maybe this is just anecdotal, but – the Bears do seem to hold their own pretty well in those mm-hmm. games. Even even in some of the the bad John Fox seasons, that the Bears and, and Lions still held you know held held a similar trend there. And I guess I don't remember exactly game by game here. Looking back real quick, see the Lions won last year in Chicago. Year before that they lost, and year before that they won, and and actually had won had done better in this streak. Yeah, you that you were right that they had done better in this than I had remembered. But you know, I think. I, I when we get, I think it'll be a different story in the next Lions game, but I'm going to give the Bears the home win here. I agree. I, I think I, I think the Bears for we don't know what Trubisky is, but they have enough on defense to be able to harass Stafford and and, and take away the the Lions' main offensive strengths. The Lions are still weak defensively, and I think that's also seven wins for the Bears in the first ten weeks of the season. This is a very optimistic podcast. Um, home against the Vikings, November 18th. I think I'm going to go Bears loss here. I think yeah. they're you know coming off a little bit of a, a lighter early schedule, and you come into Minnesota and probably the biggest division – well, okay, week one against the Packers, but the biggest divisional game in a while here in the schedule and you know such a great defense. I don't think the Bears will have faced a defense as good as the Vikings all year. You know, not Green Bay, not New England, not Seattle, none of them. And uh, that's going to be a, a tough adjustment for, for Matt Nagy to get used to. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go an L there. Yeah, the, I think the Vikings are going to be the best team in football. Um, and it's going to take another year or so of Mitch Trubisky's development to be able to properly combat that offense. You mentioned it with Matt Nagy getting used to it, getting used to calling a game against that kind of defense. That's that's an easy loss for me. Um at the Lions on Thanksgiving. I think at some point this season, the Bears are going to lose a game that they shouldn't or that they're not supposed to. And I wonder if, you know, a short week coming off of a loss to the Vikings and, you know, players are beat up playing such a good team like that. And the Lions have played on Thanksgiving so, you know, so long that it's maybe not as tolling for them or maybe they're just as uh, more prepared for it. And in Detroit, I'm going to give Detroit maybe a little bit of an upset 
I don't, I don't know how much of an upset, but I think I think the Lions will still be good and uh, we'll take that win. Yeah, I think it's going to be difficult to overcome. I don't think – I think the Lions of late have actually been pretty good on Thanksgiving as well, um, ever since they've settled in with, with Stafford actually becoming a more, more consistent quarterback. So this is the first official – point of adversity for the Bears with two straight losses for both of us as we continue to agree as we continue to 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 be totally creative in our predictions <laughs> at the Giants at, I, the, at the Giants so I, I think the Giants have made a lot of questionable roster decisions lately I'm a big fan of Pat Shermer as a head coach I he would have been near the top of my list for the Bears to hire when you know, over a Matt Nagy, for example, going into it. And, you know, I do like a lot of the weapons that they've added. And, you know, even though they wouldn't didn't necessarily do it the way I would have, there's there's still some stuff to like there, but I'm not sure what to expect from Eli Manning. So I uh, I would struggle to, to give the Giants, and I know they're kind of all in on winning too, but I think, you know, having then a longer week to prepare after Detroit and two losses in a row, have to think the Bears are going to come out firing against New York, and they might not be ready for it. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan of Saquon Barkley, and, and and I think he'll be able to kind of lift Eli Manning for a bit. But you know, at some point, being a late 30s quarterback, it's, it's gonna it's gonna show it's, it's gonna show its ugly face against a better defense, against a a, a a hungry defense like the Bears, like you just said. They're they're going to be eager to uh, get off the Schneid and kind of abuse Manny there a little bit. Um, and what now kind of looks like a really attractive game might be a, a national game of the week type thing home against the Rams on December 9th. I think the Rams are what the bears aspire to be and what the bears might be a year or two away from. So I, I got to give Los Angeles the leg up there. Yeah. Uh, with, with, I think one of the biggest, the bears best offensive line strength is on the interior um, I would safely assume that James Daniels is starting by then, uh, but that's going to be a tough matchup for him with it going against Aaron Donald and or Indomitian Sioux. Um, the, they'll be the catalyst that kind of pushed the Rams through there. So that's four, that's eight and four so far without the Packers, the first Packers game in account. And now let's do the second Packers game on December 16th, the Bears final, the, the Bears uh, final home game of the 2018 season. You know, this is tough. This is this is going to be a really good game, especially if Aaron Rodgers is healthy. The Packers are making a playoff push here. They need every divisional win. The Bears, at, at, at where we stand, are still in the playoff push. They're going to need every divisional win. This this one is, is probably the closest to a toss-up of any of the games that we've done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I... I... I, I really, I really don't have a good feeling either way on this game. And I think I, I it's in soldier field. So maybe I'll give, maybe I'll give this one to the bears, but it's, it's really, it's really a struggle for me. Yeah. I I think by this point, the bears defense will have become, will have really come into its own. Um, I think Trubisky will at least have settled in as average as an average quarterback as someone that can manage the game um and 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 i i I think the bears will kind of use it as a jumping off point to try and use those last two weeks of the season to maybe make that playoff push as you said so i'll i'll give it to the bears as well 
And um, let me just say that I think the winner of that game will be the one that is more healthy. That whichever team has fewer injuries heading into that game will, will probably be the one that, that takes the win. Yeah, more than likely. Uh, at San Francisco, going against the league's new golden boy, Lauren Jimmy Garoppolo. I yeah, I I'm a big Kyle Shanahan guy, and I know they don't have Jarek McKinnon anymore in that backfield because he got hurt, and I wasn't super confident in McKinnon as is. But boy, I I, I find myself really liking what the 49ers are going to be able to do this year, and maybe they're not quite ready for a playoff push, but they're they're in that similar feel to the Bears, where maybe. Maybe when you look on paper, not as not as likely, but I, I like a lot of what they're doing. And, you know, I'm it, depending on how the health of both teams are, I might be ready to call an upset here. And San Francisco pulls off the the week 16 win against the Bears. I have to keep in line with previous uh, season predictions um, and, be, and be a man of my word, Lauren. So I'm going to pick the Bears here. Um, I like you also like what San Francisco's built um, and the upside they have. I just just gonna go with a gut call and say the Bears pull it out um, uh, on two days before Christmas. And then finally the season finale before we even talk week one at the Vikings on December 30th. I I'm curious as to whether or not the Vikings have a first round buy here. And mm. if they do, I, I think that's a Bears win, but if they don't, and if the Vikings are still playing for something, that's that's going to be a really tough game. And I think we both had the Bears losing to the Vikings in the first one, and it's it's tough to say the Bears are going to get swept by Minnesota. But you know, I think if the Vikings, it's tough because if if the Vikings are playing for something, I might give them the win there. But if it's a first round bye, uh, and they might you know sit. Uh, Kirk Cousins and maybe rest some of their defensive starters, then I think that's a Bears win. But if then if the Bears are playing for a playoff spot, the Vikings might actually, you know, want to keep them out. So I I'm gonna go Bears win on on the idea that the Vikings don't have a lot to play for. The first one we disagree on. I think the Bears get swept by the Vikings. I, I I I just I think the Vikings are a better team. The Bears are the Bears will have to kind of use this season more of as 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 a lesson to try and come back against Minnesota in 2019. At least that, that's going to be their narrative that they'll go into with the 2019 offseason. But the Vikings are a better team, and the, and and they'll sweep the Bears. This this one will be a closer one, ironically, even given that it's in Minnesota than that first matchup. But I just the Minnesota should come out on top, circling all the way back. So the Bears. Um, <clears throat> Somehow, okay. So the Bears are ten and five for you, Lauren, and they are ten and five for me. And we still have this Packers game at Sunday Night Football, Week One. What happens? I know people don't want to hear it, but I think we're going to see the Bears start off the season with a loss. I think. Oh know, my goodness! Oh no! <laughs> you know, it's still. Still a lot of Bears players moving moving parts. I think I've said that a lot on this podcast. A lot of moving parts. <laughs> first first game for Matt Nagy. I know I think the Bears are gonna throw some stuff at Green Bay that they're not ready for, but it's prime time. There's a lot of pressure going on, a lot of attention for this game, and the Packers are good. Aaron Rodgers is healthy, and I, I think the Bears are still the worst team. And I don't think the surprise factor and the week one factor is gonna be enough. I think there's gonna be some rust, and I think the Packers will have less of it. 
Yeah, for me, there's two major questions. How ready is Mitch Trubisky going to be to play in this kind of like big time nationally televised game with all the pressure on him, with the, with the, ideally a, a great core and supporting cast? And how good is Khalil Mack going to be? I mean, I, we should expect to see him play most of the game, but he still didn't play in most of the preseason. He still didn't practice in training camp. I think it'll be a little bit before you see him um, go full throttle and absolutely be dominant. And those are questions enough for me to give the edge to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is good enough to, to, to still catapult. I, I think the Bears might have a better roster but Rodgers is still good enough to kind of lift his team even despite that. It'll be close. It'll be tightly contested, but the Packers will come out on top. And that gives us both a 10-6 record for the Bears in the 2018 season, albeit in different ways. Uh, Lauren, I appreciate you jumping on. I appreciate you getting going through everything with me for this Bears 2018 season preview. And it's really fun to get back to actual meaningful football, man. Yeah, and if the season goes any way like we predicted there, it's it's going to be wild, for, especially in that first half, and maybe for Bears fans a little bit heartbreaking in the second half and maybe fall just short of the playoffs, but it should be fun. This podcast was fun, a lot of parallels there, and uh, appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Anytime. You can follow Lauren on Twitter, at Cox Sports 1. Seriously, don't, don't waste a minute. He's one of the better football writers, one of the better rising young Coverage guys you'll find around. He's a pro football focus analyst. Uh, he hosts the Locked On Bears podcast, another thing you can subscribe to. And he has bylines everywhere NBC Sports Chicago, the Wisconsin State Journal, the Bears Wire. It goes on and on and on. The man hustles hard. And I think like he said in the podcast a few days ago uh, for me, uh, where he respects it, I respect his hustle back. Um, Lauren, you're, you're the truth. <laughs> I appreciate it. And like I said, I, I appreciate the guys that put in hard work like this. You know, it's not just a, it's not just a side gig we do after our nine to five or whatever, you know, it's, this is real life and this is, this is paying your bills. And I, I appreciate, I appreciate your, your struggle that we're both going through. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's an unreal, but it's, it's fun and it's rewarding. You could follow us on Twitter at WC gridiron, follow me on Twitter at Robert Siglinski. And as always, everybody stay classy. It's maybe the night that my dreams might let me know All the stars are closer, all the stars are closer Tell me what you gonna do to me Confrontation ain't nothing new to me You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue But you can't bring the truth to me Alexa, play Kendrick Lamar and SZA Okay With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need Get tens of millions of songs Download the Amazon Music app today Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. 
Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on Call the mom? <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.